Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Petum here as always, and we're back here to discuss Everton 1, Aston Villa 2. I'm probably going to struggle a little bit today, guys. I've had probably the worst migraine I've ever had last night, so I'm a little still spacey, and if you guys can kind of give me a little bit of a, I don't know, leeway on that, I do appreciate it. But of course, we have a few different guests here today. Uh, Simon's on a golf trip, and uh, Danny Raza is having a a very well-deserved week off. He's a hardworking man, that Danny Raza. I'm sure he'll listen back to this and appreciate that. But nonetheless, we do have two quality guys on here. So I'll pass it over to Mr. Stevie Green first. Stevie, how's it going? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Besides, besides your bad head. Yeah, to be honest, it feels fantastic now. It's it's super light. Like, I feel super lightheaded, but great in a weird way. So I don't know if that's healthy, but nonetheless, I'm still talking. I'm still here. So that's a sign of something. And uh, making his Holtcast debut is Mr. Sebastian Bacon. Sebby, how's it going? Good afternoon. I'm sure that your migraine has probably helped with a Villa win. Yeah, well, to be honest, I got it afterwards, so I don't know All if right. that's... A, yeah, I, I don't know if that's... I hope that doesn't happen after every Villa win from now on, hopefully. Um, I wasn't too stressed watching that game yesterday, guys, because let's be honest, even for the neutrals, very exciting, very back and forth, and even so it was back and forth. It was kind of relaxed from a Villa standpoint, aside from obviously the one goal conceded. But of course we do have some goals to discuss here. Of course, Ollie Watkins opening it up. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin evening things out in a very frustrating way. And we'll talk about zonal marking here in a second. Um, But of course, uh, King Prince, whatever you want to name him, Onwar Al Ghazi, he gets the goals when he needed eight goals this season. Very, very surprised with that goal tally, considering I think we paid what five odd million from him a couple seasons ago, and we'll discuss that as well. But Stevie, let's go to you first. Let's discuss zonal marking first. I will just start, we'll start on the negative and then we'll get to the positives because I don't want to kind of get too damper on a, a win, of course, but zonal marking for us, it just, we just can't do it. Can we? No, it's not been happening for a long time. Um, I mean, I've never been a fan of it really. Um, even when I used to play many moons ago, um, I, I was never a fan. I like just the simplicity of having a man to pick up and then picking them up uh, and then, if it does end up going in, you know exactly whose fault it is. Um, you can't be having things like we saw earlier in the season where John McGinn is matched up against a six foot seven giant. Um, it's it's not something that suits us well, I don't think. I mean, we've got a really sort of tough back line now and, um, you know, Tyrone's performances have really picked up in recent weeks and, and concerts blossom into into a fantastic player. But, I mean, that was such a cheap goal to give away and it was so preventable. And I don't know why we persist with this stuff, to be honest. 
Yeah, it, it, honestly, I, I I don't know. Like, I, I can understand every manager has their way of playing, and this seems to be one of uh, Dean Smith's ways of dealing with things. And like you said, I think I still have nightmares of John McGinn uh, defending Vestergaard. It just, it's never going to work um, in any <laughs> world, in any imagination. And I, I understand the whole kind of principle of zonal marking, but I mean, at the end of the day, you just need to put the your, their best header with your best header, and it needs to be dealt with. And I see some people kind of giving Ross Barkley some slack. Whose man really was it? Some people even going at Emmy Martinez. I mean, I, I don't think that man can do anything wrong probably for the rest of the season. And he's just kind of perfect in my eyes for what he's done this season. But Seb, I'll, I'll come to you. What's your whole mindset on this? I mean, of course, we've already said it doesn't work. But f- for you, if anything, what needs to change most? It's a really difficult one because man marking and zonal both have their flaws. I think with man marking, it almost provides a bigger security. Whereas with zonal, if one per- if one person switches off, then that's the whole thing ruined, really. You know, you're allowing your attacker to get a run at the ball and that always doesn't help. It's a disadvantage, allows them to get more power on it. And it's it, we struggle with it. Um I think it probably was Ross Barkley's fault. I think he was closest to the man at the time. It seemed as though he had his back turned to him, so I'm not sure how much he knew about him being there. It was just a really scrappy goal to concede all round, really, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I I guess it does obviously come after a bit of positivity and, of course, the Watkins goal. And uh, it's kind of interesting to kind of think about the whole thing because uh, speaking to an Everton fan maybe a day ago or two days ago, and they were kind of saying... Uh, Holgate's probably one of the biggest issues at the back and he's the man that caused that issue but you know what all in all fair play to Ollie Watkins to even nick that I mean the pressure that he was putting on those defenders yesterday was second to none it was great to see and of course you know what it could have argued been a foul if it didn't really go in but at the end of the day it's a it's a very professional finish he does very well and Stevie I'll come back to you with this because what have you made of Ollie Watkins? I mean, we can all kind of see his goal tally so far, but I think his work rate's the one thing that I look at and think it's so still so undervalued. Yeah, I mean, I've, to be honest, I've got to hold my hands up a little bit there because at the start of the season when he, he was scoring in patches and he wasn't, you know, finding the net consistently and the work rate, I think, was always there, but I wanted a goal scorer, um, particularly as, you know, he was the only player, you know, the only striker we really had for quite a while um, with Davis and Wesley both being injured. But he's, um, every week he seems to look better and better and the runs he makes, the pressure that he puts under, he's like boundless energy. You know, the guy runs for 90 minutes and just doesn't stop. Um, he's He's proven to be a bit of a snip at what we've paid for him, you know, to get into coming up from the championship to get into double figures in your first season and then make your, you know, your international debut. I think he's, um, you know, next season, I think with a bit more reinforcement and, uh, you know, slightly improved supply line, perhaps, I think we'll, we'll really see a lot more from him. And yeah, he's been brilliant. And that goal yesterday was uh, fantastically taken. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Sebi could have probably had a hat trick, to be honest. I mean, Pickford was on his game yesterday. I think credit has to be kind of given to there. I mean, of course, uh, the, the second best attempt for Ollie, of course, went off his knee, I do believe, but still a great reactionary save from Pickford. But he's just all over the place. And I, I guess for you, I'll, I'll give you kind of a different question here to spin things off. But 
where do you see him fitting in next season? Of course, I, I can't see him as anything else than our starting striker, but where do you see maybe future moves being made to support him? Yeah, I completely understand. I've been, I mean, we've been linked with extra strikers to help combat that lack of support to him. I think he's really struggled without Grealish being there because the supply line just doesn't fit in with what he needs and he almost has to do all the work himself. I mean, you're right, he could have had a hat trick. You know, Jordan Pickford could have saved the Titanic yesterday. It was one of the best performances of the season. But he he did impress and he was all over the place. Holgate was still having nightmares of Jed Steer staring him down, you know. And as soon as Ollie Watkins was in, you know, you were confident that he was going to score it. That's the type of player he is. I think he probably could play out wide. He's played there with Brentford before and he's played there under Dean Smith, more importantly, before with Brentford getting double figures in his first year back in the championship. Whether he can play there successfully in the Premier League, I'm not too sure. I mean, I think we owe it to him that he should be our starting striker next season, no matter who we get in. I think that's the least we owe to him due to the season he's given us. But in the long term, his pace and his natural ability on the ball, it gives us the freedom and fluidity to be able to make attacking changes. Maybe even with Davis this season, if we could test it out, because like we're, not, we're under no pressure at the moment. Our only goal is to finish in the top half. So whether Dean Smith decides to make some changes with his team to try Keenan Davis out, because if I'm not mistaken, his contract's up at the end of the season. So if we give Davis a run at starting striker and then move Watkins out wide, that's a possibility. But I mean, he's the type of player that he'll give you 100% wherever he plays, and I'm confident he can do the job that's asked of him. 100%. And you know what? We'll, we'll kind of go all over the place with this. I We do anyways. I feel like it's just kind of a tradition of the Holt cast and not go in any certain order, and people still listen nonetheless. But I, I think the one thing, when I look at it, and it was kind of interesting to see I don't know if I'm too surprised to see Keenan Davis, of course, on the bench again. And, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of screaming and hollering about that, saying, is he ever going to get his chance? And, of course, I think it was after the Fulham game when he basically, of course, kind of forced their hand. And we saw that big turnaround at the end, of course, and a win there. And, of course, the next game he's on the bench. So, Stevie, where do you think his future lies at the club? I know we still have Wesley. We don't really know what we're going to get with Wesley. I mean, it's one hell of an injury too. So where does Keenan Davis kind of get into this pecking order in your mind? Yeah, it's a hard one to judge because, uh, you know, before the Albion game, he hadn't scored for like three years. And, you know, I know he's had his injury problems and you could argue that he's not been, you know, he has, like Seb said, he's not really been given his chance. Um, but he's just not a natural goal scorer, is he? And you sometimes, you don't get, you get those players who aren't, goal scorers or strikers that aren't goal scorers but have so many other qualities um but I think Smith just doesn't like going to up top does he He didn't really do it at Brentford can't really speak about his time at Warsaw because I, I don't I didn't really watch any of that but he's he's not a fan of the two up top and you know part of the issue with uh, Ollie Watkins is that at times he has been completely cut off and you know, with with Grealish not there, no one else is really making chances for him consistently. And, you know, he, he has had to make, make these things himself. And you think, well, you know, if he had a partner, like the 
sort of big man, quick man kind of partnership, maybe things would be a little bit easier and we'd be hitting the back of the net on a more consistent basis. But, you know, if, it, if it's not, if it's not happening, it's not happening. And I think um, he did sign a new contract this year, didn't he? Or last I, year? I think so. I just can't remember when it ends. About. It's either this at the end of this one or next season. But yeah, yeah, I, I think with him, I think next season's going to be his loan season, if anything, if he unless he moves on fully. I, I think there's an affinity with him because of how hard he works, kind of his story and everything like that, that you get these with, I wouldn't say every football club, but I feel like it's every few years you get one of these players that they could literally play five minutes, but you feel like you're connected to them for like 10 years. It's one of those weird, maybe that's not the best explanation, but I don't know. There's just kind of a weird affinity with him that we think he can be so much more. And I think he still has some to add to his game, but at the end of the the day, I think he needs to get a loan to a championship side. I think he needs to play 20 odd games in a row or something like that, just to get some kind of, more experience under him and he needs to be scoring regularly i mean you know what popping up with the odd goal here and there is great in the premier league but what does that do to him as an individual player for the next eight or so 10 plus years of his career really so it's kind of i don't know i feel like it's going to be one of those stories with villa that kind of ends on a sadder note and you know what i wouldn't be shocked to go see him down in the championship scoring say maybe 10 goals in one season you'll get i don't know five percent of the fan base coming back saying see i told you he could do it so i mean you just never win in those scenarios but Nonetheless, let's go on to uh, Prince Anwar Al-Ghazi, of course. Um, I I should say Elmo is the king, so I I think that should go in terms of age, of course. So um, let's talk about Anwar, of course. I mean, last season, everyone wrote him off. This season, he had an absolutely superb month and a half, roughly maybe two months, where it just seems like he couldn't do really anything wrong. Eight goals this season already, Seb. I mean... Let's be honest. I think what I was at five and a half million or whatever we paid for him at the start of our uh, return to the Premier League season on a permanent deal. You know what? For eight goals, for what we paid for him, for what he's done for this club already, it's a hell of a return, hasn't it been? Yeah, I think he's exceeded all of our expectations, really. The thing about Anwar Al Ghazi is he's a complete definition of a form player. I think he could go 10 games without an attacking contribution and then bang, he'll get one and then suddenly it's four goals in five and everyone's loving him again. That's a problem. It's the inconsistency and that's a problem with all our wingers, really, bar obviously Jack Grealish. It's the fact that one of them can turn up one week and then not turn up for the next five, which is really frustrating as a viewer. Um, I think the, if he can fix it, then he could, he still has a future here. But the problem is, you know, there's been a lot of talk with us bringing in some new wingers in the summer, bringing in some new attacking outlets. So it's if, if he can take that almost responsibility now and prove to the backroom staff that he does have a future here and that he's not going to turn out like a Keenan Davis and get an odd 90 seconds here and there then I think he does have a starting place here still the problem is he's probably going to need to go on another run like he did in December you know I think he was unlucky not to get the Premier League player of the month then if he can go on another one of them then he'll probably convince them. But otherwise, maybe like Keenan, there's the option to loan him out in the summer if we bring someone else in or whether we let him go permanently. 
Yeah, I think it's a weird one, but I did find a stat here. Uh, El Ghazi has scored more goals in the Premier League this season than uh, Timo Werner, Neto, uh, Firmino, Richarlson, De Bruyne, Grealish. They're just going to, of course, put every big name in here. Uh, Mount, Pulisic, Abraham, Bale, uh, Martial, and Mason Greenwood. I really don't know why you'd throw Mason Greenwood into that, but anyways, um, (laughs) nonetheless. uh, Not that I don't rate him, I just think he really hasn't played enough to really do too much, but... Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it, Stevie? Because if you look at Anwar Ghazi and then you look at Trezeguet, in your mind, who's the one that kind of kind of would be the makeshift to go? Because, I mean, it's a discussion we have to have at some point anyways with the fan base. So why don't we just have it now? Who, in your mind, would you say has to hit the door first? Uh, pre-injury, I would have said Trezeguet. Um, I mean, I like, I, like, I like all of our wingers, but the issue there is that you know they're not they're never going to be consistent players and it's almost amazing that we are where we are in the league with with guys who are like that um they all offer different things i think el ghazi there there is a player in there you know he's come from the ajax school he had a spell of time in the champions league he i don't know he's got a couple of international caps i think i mean realistically this season should have been about him getting into that netherlands squad i think um and you know maybe he still will i don't know but i don't think he's featured in any of the qualifiers but um it's it's yeah, it sucks cuz i really like him but i think if an opportunity to get somebody in who is more consistent puts up better numbers on a on a more regular basis comes up you know I don't think the owners are going to be shy about splashing the cash this summer. And I think you know him and Trezeguet, well, probably not at the moment. And I think Traore is safe, but he is there the most likely to, to be moved on, um, which I, I, I wouldn't move him unnecessarily. And not at the moment. I think we, we need to add competition for places in that area. But I, I mean, really, I'd be looking more at the centre midfield area. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you forgot to add there that he's best friends with Ronaldo too. So uh, um, he, he kind of gets into those peak forms um, and kind of <laughs> gets that little flash of brilliance. But I, I think for me, I think it, it's kind of interesting because I think people expect so much out of wingers. But I think if you look at the history of that position, they're usually very kind of hit and miss. And I kind of wonder if the way we play just kind of, I don't know. It's almost like we've went from playing one way in the championship. And then of course you have that kind of standard of that league. And then you jump into this. And I I think people just thought it would stick instantly. And again, I think it's just the way you play that the opposition you play. And I love Trezeguet. I love what he does. And I think he's perfect for those teams that are really going to try to stretch you because you know, he's going to run and run and run and run. Of course his touch is sometimes probably the deftest thing you could ever see in your life. It's unfortunate. His finishing isn't always there. You can say the same with Algazi as well. I mean, he's completely hit and miss, and but he's not afraid to shoot. I think that's the one thing I'd give him probably the more advantage. So it's going to be interesting because even if you look at Bertrand Traore, a lot of people are on his back saying he's lazy. He's not offering this, but he is that probably next level of winger that we needed and he has delivered in the moments that we've needed at times most so it's going to be interesting I wouldn't be shocked if we rated Brentford again and um, I, think, I can't pronounce his name as M Bueno or Buemo I can't Buena, pronounce it something yeah like so I wouldn't be shocked if we went in for something like that someone that Dean Smith's kind of familiar with as well so we'll wait and see I mean we've kind of completely screwed over the championship uh, transfer market anyways with all the uh 
the um, crazy buys we've made, i.e. Ross Barkley, or not Ross Barkley, Ross McCormack, too many Rosses haunting my memory, um, being the most. But uh, you know what? Let's actually move on to Ross Barkley now because you know what? He did put in a good shift. I think it's time to give him credit. Actually, I think I gave him credit last week as well. Apparently, he ran uh, 11.4 kilometers yesterday, which is probably the most impressive stat I've seen from him all season. Um, I'm shocked that he put in that much of a shift. You know what? It could be a lot of different things, and I'll I'll come to Seb in a second on this. Uh, maybe it's playing Everton. Maybe it's playing your old club and your G'd up. Maybe it's being back in your local area. I don't know. It just seemed like he was up for it yesterday. Didn't really put too many foot wrong. Maybe you could blame him for the marking on the goal, but then again, I think the zonal marking is completely flawed in itself. So it's a tricky one, but Seb, what do you make of his performance yesterday? It impressed me. I want to say unsurprisingly, but I'd be lying to you. I think most of us had probably given up on him by now, almost accepting the fact that he'd be sent back to Chelsea. I think the problem with Ross is he's got to that stage in his career now where he's realised if he doesn't start putting in the performances, Villa won't want him. Chelsea certainly won't want him. So he'll almost be playing without a contract. So I worry that maybe he's got in the back of his head that he has to perform to almost put himself in the shop window. And then say we were to take a risk on him and give him a new three-year deal, he'd then get comfortable again and we'd start to see him fade back into the background. If the right price came around, and I'm talking a very, very good price under 15 million, then I'd go for it 100%. You know, he'd be a useful squad option. He's a good character to have around. He's obviously friends with Jack Grealish, and anyone that's friends with Jack Grealish needs to be in and around the club to keep him here. But I don't know. He he impressed me yesterday, and he could have scored a wonder goal when Traore sent Allen back to the streets of Brazil, and then Ross Barkley smashed it off the post. Would have been goal of the season, but... I've been quite critical of Barkley recently within my player ratings and online. But if he starts putting in the performances like he did against Everton for the rest of the season, then I think there's a potential that he could sway fans' minds. Yeah, it's a weird one because, of course, probably the January window, everyone was saying, you know what, sign him up right now. We love him. And you're seeing, I, I don't know how true the 40 million kind of quotation actually is. I don't even know if Chelsea really believe they could get that much. I mean, that's like Daniel Levy kind of tactics right there, trying to even get that. But I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I think he's kind of a, a circumstance of injury. I think he had so much hype at Everton, so young. And I don't know him. Like obviously I don't know him personally, but I don't know his personal life is what I'm trying to say. And I think it just kind of fell into one of those things where, the hype was so great. Maybe he didn't handle it. And then he throw in injuries. And then I think there was even riffs with managers in the past and you just throw all these things together. And then I just kind of an odd move to Chelsea thinking, Oh, this is his dream move. You know what? He's going to really push it on there. More injuries. Uh, I think there was kind of more things kind of in the public eye that apparently didn't go his way. Um, naughty, naughty Ross. And it just, it's one of those things where it's kind of sad. And we've seen this with, dozens and dozens and dozens of footballers in the past where they just don't meet it and it can be a variety of factors but stevie where do you fit with them is there any kind of piece of your mind that says you know what if the price is right uh ross barkley has a future at villa 
Um, I'm going to agree with Seb again. I think if, you know, around 15, 20 mil, if that's doable, then you'd probably have to argue that's worth the gamble because I think in, in today's market, that is relatively cheap. Um, admittedly, I wanted Ruben Loftus-Cheek at the start of the season when when this was being rumoured. Um, I, I don't think that would have worked out any better, though, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, Barkley... Is such a tricky character that, in my head, he's only really had well, four decent games now. Um, we don't know if he was one of the players affected with COVID because I think you know after that happened, this is when we sort of hit our slump, and it probably would be fair to say that he might have been affected by that. And you know, on top of his other injury problems, it's it's just not helped his cause. Um, I'm disappointed because he was the guy that we were looking at. Uh, to sort of take the pressure off Grealish creating everything. And, you know, with him having missed the last 11 games, that would have been ideal for a player like Ross Barkley to come and and take that mantle and and take that responsibility and really lead the club um, on the pitch. But it's just not happened. And I think, you know, I'm not going to feel disheartened if he goes back and doesn't doesn't come back to Villa. Um, It's, you know, it, it was pretty exciting when he came you know, and we thought, well, if this works out, then we've got an absolute bargain and, you know, we will pay 40 million because he's not, you know, he's not world-class. He's whatever's below world-class. You know, he is, he's definitely a player. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not happening. And, you know, it's, it's, t- it's going to take more than the odd good game to convince me now, especially when we're trying to push on and, and take, you know, take ourselves up to the next level. Yeah, and I mean, I think we can all agree he's probably not, no matter if he has a future with Villa, He, I don't think he's the resolution. He's the kind of fixer in the midfield. I think that's probably the biggest area of concern. And I think with how long Jack Grealish has been out, it's almost been kind of a blessing because it's shown what areas we probably need help in the most. And honestly, I can't believe how much help we probably need in midfield. I think for some games, it's, Great, but I I think for others, it's just we're missing that one player in that midfield that can truly bully players. And I mean, those are a dime a dozen. They're really, really hard to find. And I love what Dougie Louise does, and we'll we'll get to him in a moment because, of course, it feels like every other day it's getting closer to the end of the season. Therefore, um, the release clause is becoming closer and closer to potentially being met or not being met. So hopefully that gets figured out uh, sooner rather than later but uh, it's a tricky one I just feel like there's a few major issues there and I think one is the one of them is just a defensive minded midfielder and I love what Nakamba does I love what he can offer from time to time but I feel like it's one in every three games one in every four games that you're going to get that performance out of them and at the end of the day, if you want to stay in the top 10, if you want to get to the top six or above, you need players that are going to give you that at least every one and two. So it's tough to see. And I think there's going to be a lot more shakeups this summer more than anything. But Seb, I'll come to you with Dougie Louise. I mean, let's pretend we're all Nostradamus here. We can each put on that hat right now. Do you think we can keep him past this season? I mean, I just feel like playing City, the the comments that Pep made, I feel like it's just poised for him to leave now. Before Pep had made the comments, I was really confident of him staying. You know, his recent form hadn't been good enough for a Man City side. From a financial aspect, it would make sense for City to buy him. You know, a young international Brazilian international with Premier League experience 
I think the release clause is around about 20 million. If they met that and then sold him on for more, that would make sense from a City perspective. I mean, obviously, I don't want to sell him. I'm a big fan of Dougie Louise. It's really weird because I don't think anyone really knows his best position. I think before COVID had hit, we'd seen his best attacking outlets with his stunning goals against Bournemouth coming to mind. And we thought he was more of an attacking midfielder. Then lockdown hit and we came back pre-COVID and he arguably helped keep us up with his incredible defensive midfield displays. And then we were sort of swayed towards, oh, maybe he is a more of a sitting midfielder and he can do that role. This season, he's n- he's been neither really. It We can't seem to work out what's his best position. I don't think he can anchor the midfield on his own. I don't think he's physically strong enough for that. I mean, that would be like a bank robber going up to a vault with a spoon. It just doesn't work. I think he needs someone else with him, but whether that's a defensive midfielder with him or whether that's an attacking midfielder with him. I think he needs a license to roam a bit more because he seems a bit stiff in the midfield at the moment, just sitting in front of the back four. I mean, his passing ability is second to none at times. If we can get him back to the same Douglas Louise after the lockdown hit in those like eight or so games of last season, then we've got a real gem if Man City can keep his hands off him. Yeah, I mean, I think if he dyes his hair any blonder, maybe we'll get like a Super Saiyan if you're uh, kind of version of Dougie Louise, if anyone's um, kind of familiar with the whole Dragon Ball Z thing. So, you know what? He's evolving. Maybe that means uh, Wesley is as well because they have the same um, color of hair now. Uh, my girlfriend, on a side note, thought it was very ugly hair yesterday when she saw it for the first time. Um, but you know what? Maybe that's just a clash of cultures and uh, style, and I'll leave it at that. But Stevie, I'll come to you, and then we'll get to the man of the matches quickly because we're running you of time here but what do you make of it do you think maybe Dougie Louise's kind of best position is just in front of a defensive midfielder uh, I mean I'd like to see him there more I think um, you know I think part of the problem with the midfield this year is that there just hasn't been enough rotation and I know you sort of brought up uh, marvellous Nakamba there but you know he's not he's just not going to start is he? he's not going to cut it he'll he'll be one that I think is going to go in the summer um, I really like him but I just he's he's not you know, he's just not going to be a regular player in the Premier League. Um, I saw something earlier in the season, um, a heat map or something. I mean, I'm not very tact- you know, statistically minded, but um, it sort of showed how disciplined Douglas is with his positional sense. And there's a certain line of the pitch he just won't cross. because, And then he's just always there. But the only problem is, is that the kind of defensive midfielder he is is the same kind of defensive midfielder that Perlo is. And I'm not you know, comparing him to Perlo in the slightest, but he's the kind of defensive midfielder that will sit back and pick a pass and find people in the channels rather than battle to win the ball back um, every time it comes near him. Um, he's probably better at keeping possession and, and moving it forward in that regard. So he probably needs a bit more of a bruiser next to him just to sort of mop it up and then lay it off to him so he can go and find Jack running through, you know, or whoever running down the wing. Um, I, I really like him. I'd, I'd hate to see him go, but I'd totally get it if he did. Um, you know, we'll make a profit. City will probably make a profit. Cynical as that all sounds, that's just the way football is these days. Um, and I'm pretty certain that we, you know, we've got the tools in place to find an adequate replacement or perhaps even an upgrade. 
Yeah, I mean, these are all kind of topics that'll be kind of resolve themselves really in the summer. It's just kind of interesting to have more of a discussion on them because we know what's coming up. We can all revel in a win as much as we want, but I thought, you know what, let's let's put a spin on this episode and discuss these things because, in my opinion, they need to be discussed. But anyways, guys, uh, really quickly, uh, Seb, I'll come to you first. Who was your man of the match for yesterday? Ollie Watkins. 100%. That's that's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I would agree there as well. Stevie, how about you? Um, I'm going to give it Matty Target, I think. Um, every, every game he seems to play, he's getting better and better, and I think he's been one of our more crucial players this year um quietly understated but does his job and does it very well yeah i mean i feel like maddie target's got to man the match the last like four weeks now if not maybe a couple months from at least one of the people on this panel so long may that continue and i think that just speaks to his growth and long may that continue as well really but uh it, it's a tough one for me i kind of want to give it to ross a little bit but i feel like i'm Go gonna get it. beaten you know what actually because this won't be put on social media because obviously the blackout, this will maybe go up on Tuesday. I haven't really decided. Maybe just because of this comment, I won't put it out. I'm going to say Ross Barkley. The man hit the post. The man kind of led the midfield. He, he did well. And I think it's as much as you can give players crap for doing wrong. I think it's just as important to give them praise when they're doing well, um, as frustrating as he can be. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my neck on the line and I'm sure I will get analogies of being North American and I won't know anything about football. <laughs> so I am, I will take all the criticism people want. So anyways, we'll wrap it up there guys. Thank you very much to both Stevie and to Seb for joining me. Of course, if you want to find Stevie on Twitter, it's at Stevie green. If you want to find Seb on Twitter, it's at Sebastian bacon eight. If you want to find me, Cole Petum on Twitter, it's at talk Aston Villa. Of course you can tweet the team at 7,500 to Holt. And of course you can email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com. I am still shocked. I somehow remember all of that in my brain. It'll forever be embedded in there. But anyways, guys, we'll wrap it up there. And like I said before, you won't probably see this on social media. Maybe on Tuesday, we'll post some more stuff of that you would have missed from the blackout. Um, if not, you'll hear this Monday morning as per usual. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. And uh, yeah, if you want to leave a positive view on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. But anyways, don't forget uh, the villa. Up the villa. villa. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.